0: Parenthood is a time of so much change for you and your baby. A little reliable information can go a long way towards making this new life a good life. I'm Jessica Rolfe, and this is My New Life, a love every podcast. While the science aligns on what's healthy for a baby's brain development, When it comes to how to care for our babies, there's a seemingly endless supply of competing perspectives. Parents are swimming in advice on sleep, feeding, and parenting philosophies. In this season of the podcast, we aim to provide a variety of curated perspectives so you can make informed choices for your family. Hello, busy parents. For those of you listening to this on the go, Maybe you're doing drop-off or on your way home from work or stealing a 30-minute workout. So many of us find ourselves flying through the day. Well, I can relate. I feel like I'm constantly running through my mental to-do list, the problems I need to solve, and the big dreams. There's always more I can squeeze in. I pull myself in countless directions. To be focused on one moment in space and time feels so hard but there are ways to get present, even in the face of all this mental clutter. Here to help us is mindful mama, Hunter Clark-Fields. She is the author of Raising Good Humans, a parenting coach, and host of the podcast, Mindful Mama. Welcome, Hunter.
1: Thanks, Jessica. So happy to be here.
0: So how did you become the mindful mama? What led you to this practice of mindfulness? (laughs)
1: I think I became the mindful mama because I, I was failing at being a mama. At least that's what I thought. But what led me to mindfulness in general was I, it really, I come to all of it through desperate need <laughs> and really my whole life. I was very, you know, I, I had like a roller coaster of emotions and I just, you know, found it was a highly sensitive person, found it hard to handle things You know, my dad told me, this is just how life is for you. You've got this artistic temperament. And I was like, oh, God, great. Thanks. And so I discovered mindfulness out of like, you know, wanting, needing something to help me get more equanimity in my life. And it really, really helped me enormously. And then when I got to parenting and my life was, you know, turned upside down by this small child and then. She's also highly sensitive and she just was not happy with the way I was parenting her and I was kind of recreating some patterns for my parents and and I was like yelling and I could see I was scaring her. I could see I really felt like I was failing. I just kind of dove into this, this learning about how to parent better. But I was so frustrated with it because there i couldn't do and implement any of it when i was losing it you know none of it and so i really had to go back to the mindfulness and really dive deeper into the mindfulness to help and because it what it really does is it helps us to regulate our own nervous system helps us to literally access our whole brain it helps us to be able to communicate better it helps us to be able to do everything with more clarity and you know because when we're losing it we're, we're not able to lose, use our whole brain. I may have learned something nice to say hours earlier, but I couldn't access it when I was losing it. And so I really needed to be able to regulate my own reactivity, calm my reactivity. Bef- you know That had to be a part of the picture or else the rest was useless. And so that's what, what really drew me to bringing this to the parenting conversation.
0: So, what do you say to us parents who've read all the parenting books, but we still can't, you know, find our? We still find ourselves losing it occasionally in our children, and you know, when this happens to me, I just feel bad. And you know, you call this reactive parenting, and that really resonates. And on your podcast, Mindful Mama, you mentioned two important steps that are backed by research to stop yelling. Can you share these with us?
1: Sure. Well, I think that just to address your first point, Jessica, is that. No one's going to get it exactly right and perfect. And you, you, it wouldn't do your kids a good service if you you did. No, You know, if they had their every single need met in life, like, and they were perfectly happy all the time, they'd be like helpless little puppies that couldn't handle the world, right? They need to have disappointment. They need to see you mess up and repair a relationship. Like that all, all that stuff needs to happen. It's okay for you to be human. Honestly, there's a a concept that I write about a bit that DW, I think Winnicott studied in the fifties, a psychoanalyst. And, and it was this idea of the good enough. He said the good enough mother. I say the good enough parent. And because honestly, the very, very best we can do is good enough. Like There's no there's no place for perfection in parenting. Like we have to have a little grace for ourselves, and we have to model that for our kids. Like that's that's really really important. So now I've forgotten the second part of your question. (laughs) The
0: second part of my question was oh the yelling yeah how do you I mean what are these steps what do we do if we're finding ourselves yelling you know we 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 really we've read all the books we've got all the intentions we've got all the information but it's not we're not able to consistently put it in practice. What do we do?
1: Well, I think that, you know, we have to lower we have to lower our reactivity overall. The two things we're talking about are lowering our overall muscle of reactivity and then having kind of a plan in that moment. So, you could read all the books you want about being a good tennis player, but unless you practice, unless you get out on the court, your game is never really going to improve, right? Like you really have to do the action. <laughs> and it's the same with our reactivity. And that's why I'm a big proponent of parents having like a, at least a tiny, like just a, maybe a five minute, you know, mindfulness practice is so, so, so helpful. I think that in the future, we're going to start to see that as like the way we look at going to the gym and, and taking care of our bodies now, taking care of our minds. But it has such enormous benefits. It helps change the brain to literally make the reactive parts of our brain, the the fight, flight, or freeze parts of our brain. It, an eight-week course of mindfulness can literally shrink that, literally make it less dense in gray matter and make your prefrontal cortex, which is the higher order thinking area associated with the brain, more dense in gray matter. So I like to think of it as like building a muscle. And we're building a muscle of a pause muscle. Um, we're building the muscle to be able to step into that space between stimulus and response and make a choice rather than just be like enacting the old patterns of the past, right? And just, you know, just yelling or reacting, whatever our, our habitual unskillful reaction is. It's the thing that gives us that ability. So I really encourage an overall practice of calming your reactivity. But then in the moment, we can, there's a bunch of things we can do to calm our reactivity in the moment. We can start to just, one of the things we can do is just start to acknowledge, start to say what we see, acknowledge what's happening for ourselves, for our kids, I'm starting to feel frustrated here. I feel my jaw getting tight. I feel my muscles getting tense. There's a lot of noise. It's starting to feel like too much. I'm feeling like I need a break. And as you say these things out loud, it's really, really does a lot of great things. It teaches your kids healthy emotional intelligence because they're learning names for, for different emotions. They're learning how their behavior is affecting you, which because they care about you, that that may help them <laughs> calm down their behavior. But it's also you're, what you're doing is you're acknowledging for yourself. You're saying, you know, you, when you say, I'm feeling frustrated... It's like, ding, ding, ding. It's like a little bell of mindfulness for yourself that you're on this road (laughs) of losing it. You're there. And maybe this time you'll be able to say, and I need a break. (laughs) And you you won't yell something unskillful to your kid. And I'm going to take a break right now because I'm feeling like I'm about to lose it. Right. You might say that and go, you know, step into the kitchen, put both hands on the counter, Take those deep, slow breaths that are cliche because they work. <laughs> Dig deep, slow breaths. You may have a mantra. I encourage my students to have a mantra they write down like, I am safe. This is not an emergency. Sometimes like the louder they get, the calmer I get. <laughs> you know, we can have a sort of a, a menu of things that help to calm our our reactivity in the moment Um, but it all starts with being aware of it, right? So we have to become aware of it. And just saying that out loud, it interrupts the pattern right there. And it helps you start on a new, healthier habit to respond with.
0: Lots of brain growth happens in the first three years of life. But how much of who we become is predetermined by our genetics? And how much is based on our early experiences? According to neuroscientists, it boils down to about 50-50. 50% 50 genetics and 50% environment. But what exactly is this environment? What makes for an environment that is enriching for little brains? At Lovevery, we have brought together experts from all fields of early childhood development to answer this question. Neuroscientists, Montessori experts, occupational therapists, and speech therapists. For every stage from birth to age four, we have just the right activities, tools, and information so you can feel confident you are giving your child the very best start. That's all so helpful to hear. And can you tell me about the science of why taking those breaths matter? It's really very simple. We all Inherited this nervous
1: system, right? That's just primed for survival. Um, and so did our kids. <laughs> really important to remember too. And it's like the one, it's like one of the body bodily systems that is like fully developed at birth is this our stress response, fight, flight, or freeze nervous system response. And it's it's very much kind of like on or off. You're either having a stress response or you're having the opposite rest and relax response. And so the stress response, we know, you know, our muscles get tense, our jaw gets tight, blood flows to our extremities. Um, we don't; <laughs> blood flows out of the thinking parts of the brain. <laughs> but um, in the opposite response, the rest and relax response, um, we, you know, we get to digest again. We get to access our whole brain again. So that's what we really want, and so a way to do that you can do that through the body you can do that through the mind um through the mind i talked about you know telling yourself with a mantra i am safe right that tells the nervous system calm down nervous system we don't have a threat right here <laughs> but also the breath is so crucial because if you're you know if you're in a life and death situation you're not going to be taking some deep th- slow calming breaths but if you do that and they're they're really teaching this they're teaching mindfulness and they're teaching these breathing practices to soldiers in the field take a deep deep slow breath in maybe even a longer slower exhale and it just switches the body into that rest and relaxed response so you're calming that stress response if you do six of those it's really a big difference
0: I love that. It's really helpful, and I really I want to zero in on being present. Do you have any tips for how we can do this more often as parents? Sometimes it's tricky when we have little little ones; they're not talking at our level, you know, and it's hard to. Your mind is sort of having a whole nother conversation or a thoughts around what you need to do that day or what what's happening or a friend that you're thinking about, and you can kind of go on autopilot. But, but you know, we can do that with our toddlers. Can you talk to me about how we can bring back the present moment?
1: I think a regular practice builds that muscle, that ability to attend, right? Our attention is really our most valuable resource. And it really, really, really helps to be able to be more the master of our attention rather than pushed and pulled by it. And to practice, and all it is is practice, sometimes people think, you know, oh, I can't I can't meditate or I can't practice mindfulness. I can't clear my mind. But, you know, just like the ears hear and the eyes see, the mind thinks. And that's just what it does. But we want to be able to take that attention and be able to direct it. Can we be with our child and notice, oh, I'm thinking about dinner later. Oh, okay. And then redirect our attention back to our child. And it may be you focus your eyes on their face. You listen to the sound of the words, you know, it's just about, it really is just about redirecting our attention. And sometimes we feel like, oh, you know, what's wrong with me? (laughs) I can't even listen to my kid for five, three minutes without thinking about 10,000 other things. Right. But I just want to normalize that. Like that's what happens for everyone. That's how everyone's minds work. And to be able to realize that is really a win, and really, because the only place we can love our children is in the present moment we're not gonna we're not gonna like you know love them now for the future, not love them retrospectively like this isn't it, right? Our attention is really how we show our love, and it doesn't mean we have to be attentive a hundred percent of the time no but but when we choose to, it would be nice to be able to do that right, and so the way we do it is we just bring the attention back. We can use our child as like the object of our meditation, right? As the object of our mindfulness, meaning our child is uh, like an anchor, right? When a ship gets pulled by waves and wind, it has an anchor that pulls it back to that same spot. And we can do, you can, we can use our child to be uh, an anchor for us, you know, being, bringing that in mindfulness, we bring an attitude of kindness and curiosity. So bringing that attitude of who are you right now? You know, if I were like an alien beamed down into this moment, what would I see? Can I be curious about who who you are and, and, and what you're passionate about in, in this moment? Because it's probably different from yesterday.
0: This is so so wise and so inspiring. I love this quote from you. Our attention is how we show our love. It's just, it's it's beautiful. It's really thoughtful. Hunter, it's been wonderful having you here with us today. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you so much, Jessica. I really, really appreciate
0: it. Learn additional mindfulness techniques at mindfulmamamentor.com. To hear more on mindfulness and parenting, tune into the My New Life episode with Dr. Zilana how to be resilient and set boundaries. You've been listening to My New Life. If you think this episode might be helpful to a fellow parent, please share. And if you'd like to learn more about the topics discussed in today's show, head over to loveevery.com. That's L-O-V-E-V-E-R-Y.com. com. I'm Jessica Rolfe. Thanks for listening.